Warning, this episode contains spoilers, coarse language, and... How are ya? Oh, I, I just, I had to watch the remake again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did that a while ago. <laughs> I think we're all on the same page here. Welcome, everybody, to part two of the latest episode of I Hate Love Remakes. I'm Noel. Joining me, as always, is Evie. I'm just going to go rewatch Twin Peaks instead of doing this. Nope, you got to do this. No. Coffee and cherry pie. Nope, you got to do this. Oh, fine, but you owe me cookies. You're never going to send me cookies. Joining us once again is Laurie Bowen. Hello, everyone. One thing we forgot to mention in part one is uh, your short story collection that you published. Oh, yes. And it's called Darkest Hours Before Dawn. You can find it on iTunes and Kindle, although Lord knows if they ever fixed the Kindle version. You can find it on Nook, or you can contact me, and I have PDFs and all of that that I can send out. And it's like $2, $3. I have to confess, I've had it for such a long time, and I still haven't read it yet. <laughs> That's okay. I've just been getting through so many projects, but it, it is in my Kindle. I will get to it. <laughs> I will just have to find somewhere I can buy it from and then download it to someone's, like, I don't think I have anyone with a Kindle, but well, I have whatever PDFs. the hell it, yeah. I, I well, have PDFs you can read on your computer. And one of my friends actually has the whatever the hell it is that chapter sells, which I totally forgot what they're called because I don't own one. Because <laughs> I don't own e-readers because I'm an old woman. Books should be smelly! <laughs> There, well, you now. can spray some perfume on your Kindle, iReader, whatever. Yeah. I need to get one of the old book smell and just like spray it on there and be like, oh, yeah. I think someone actually does market like a little spritzer of old book smell for like e-readers. <laughs> like, seriously. There is, I know that they have candles that smell like it, so I wouldn't be surprised. I like old book smell, but I don't like old book smell all the time. Well, it depends on the book, too, because the hardcovers, they decompose at a much slower rate than everything else because of the high quality of paper. So you don't get an old book smell from them as quickly. Yeah. I am such a nerd right now. <laughs> it's like, wow, I, this is how the Balinese dreaming thing. That's how you get that because you have people <laughs> like me who memorize random shit like this. That's how you get that, Noel. That's how that happens in a movie. I've just gotten so used to e-readers that whenever I have to crack open a book, it feels weird. You're like, what is this thing? <laughs> I have to turn the page myself. I am not an animal. <laughs> I will not turn the pages on my own. Why can't I resize the font? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the reason that I want to get one for my mom, is that she can get books in Polish and she'll be able to like have the larger font for them, too. Yeah, that's why I got one for my dad. His eyesight's starting to go. You should get one for myself, too, because my, well, the, the light sight in my left eye is kind of going. So anyways, Evie, you want to tell us what we're going to cover here today? Yes, I do. Today we are going to cover Wes Craven's New Nightmare from 1994, which is sort of like a meta remake thing. Um, I but wish. A reimagining also, kind of, but yeah. That's what we're covering, Noel. I don't care. Shut up. We're <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we're covering the 2010 remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. I want to die. <laughs> don't want to live anymore. Which was the cinematic debut of Samuel Bayer, a longtime music video director. Yeah. And was written by Eric Hesserier, who his only other film credits are Final Destination 5 and the Thing prequel remake reboot thingy. Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet, but the Final Destination 5, I hate him for. I don't hate the thing, it's just completely pointless. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, because you know how it's going to end. Yeah. Can't we just have a story where the thing gets to civilization and just actually explore the effects of it? That would be mm -hmm. awesome. Oh, and the other guys, Wesley Strick. Wesley Strick, yes. Yeah, he wrote the screenplay to Doom. So. Which I liked. I actually quite yeah, like I kinda, his script I like, to Doom. I kind of like Doom. I don't like Doom. I hate you both. They're <laughs> no longer friends. Doom is, you know, it's kind of silly. It's very derivative, but it actually just, there's a lot of little things about it that I really like. I like Carl Urban, but the rest of it shouldn't exist. If it could just be Carl Urban being Carl Urban. And that's the thing about Wesley Strick is I've actually, he's a screenwriter I'm kind of a fan of. I can't argue that he's a great screenwriter, but I like a lot of the things he does. He, he does a lot of little things that I always like in films. And I really like his film Hitched, which he also directed. I really like The Glass House. Oh, uh, I hate that thing. I like his remake of Cape Fear, Arachnophobia, 
He's not a great writer, I fully admit it, but he's one of those writers who just kind of clicks with me. See, now all I can think of is arachnophobia as the lunging spider, and I'm like, spiders don't lunge. (laughs) That's all I have. That's it, literally. But that one does. That's what makes it such a fearsome threat. Likes to hide in the bottom of your popcorn balls. Yeah, no. (laughs) Despite the fact that I like Wesley Strick, we'll get into the movie. Not not Mm -hmm. a whole lot of it here. So anyways, we should get into the film itself. And again, here's where I'll edit in the synopsis. Just basically stuff happens and... uh, Shit happens, no one cares, the end. When her boyfriend Dean appears to commit suicide, teenager Chris begins having dreams of a burned man in a fedora and a red and green sweater with a bladed glove on his hand, chasing her around an abandoned schoolhouse. Other teenagers, the moody Quentin and Nancy, Chris's bitter ex Jesse, have all started having similar dreams. Jesse spends a night with Chris to protect her, only for her to wind up violently killed in her sleep by an invisible force, and the crime is pinned on him. After passing along what he saw to Nancy, Jesse is killed in his prison cell. Nancy and Quentin fight off the effects of insomnia as they start putting pieces together. Other teens in the area have mysteriously died, and they all tie to an old preschool which has since been boarded up. Confronting their guarded parents, they eventually learn that, as children, they accused the groundskeeper, Fred Krueger, of molesting them. And when he got out of jail on a technicality, Kruger was hunted down by the parents and burned alive. Nancy and Quentin have had their memories of the time psychologically repressed, so they fear Freddy is seeking revenge for them having wrongly accused him. Breaking into the old preschool, they find Freddy's room in the basement, complete with a hidden chamber with photos that prove he actually did molest and torture the children, and his revenge is all about them having ratted him out. Entering the dream world, Quentin is gravely injured, but manages to wake Nancy with an adrenaline shot, allowing her to pull Freddy into reality, where they hack him down and leave him to die again in the burning building. Nancy returns home, only for Freddy to spring out of a hallway mirror and spike her mother's head on his claws. Evie, do you recommend this movie? No, I don't. I can't do a good Rorschach voice, and I wish I could, because then I could do this in a Rorschach voice, but just no. My connection with the original was Nancy, because she was able. She was capable. She was relatable. And Rooney Mara, I was convinced for the longest time, could literally not act because she's terrible in this. And it actually turns out she just didn't want to be in this movie, so she wasn't going to try. Because she can't act. She was in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. She got an Oscar nomination for that. Sometimes they give people Oscar nominations for terrible work, but she wasn't terrible in it. But here, like, she's come out and said she didn't want to do this, which I'm wondering, then why did you? The thing is, it's not a terrible part, but she is terrible in it because she doesn't want to be there, and you get that. The movie is so inconsistent, and it's just a fucking mess. It is a fucking mess that's had potential, and what pisses me off is that it is such a fucking mess because they could have done something. They could have done a remake that was actually good, but they didn't. They pushed out, and they made this piece of shit, and I saw it opening weekend in the theater, and I was pissed then, and I'm still kind of pissed, and I didn't realize how pissed I was until I started talking, and now I can't stop because I'm very angry, and now I'm going to Well, to be fair, people signing on to things and then not wanting to do them are because the product doesn't ultimately become what they thought they signed on for. There's a quote for when she auditioned, she didn't want to be in it. And they offered her the part from there. And from her auditioning for it, she didn't want to be in it. But she still took the role. Money. That's where I take. That's well, where I take. Yeah, you know, yeah. Which, sometimes actors do take roles just for money. I don't find that a problem. She doesn't really need because her family's rich. So I don't know why she took the role anyway. Good point. So, Laurie, do you recommend the movie? No, 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 and no. Like Evie, I saw it opening weekend. I was a projectionist at a movie theater, so I actually got to watch it by myself. And I wanted to throw things at the screen. There are things I like about it. Let me say the things that I like. I like the score, and I like Jackie Earl Haley. And I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for that. But Jackie Earl Haley is actually quite good in the role. My main problems with this film are the fact that the writers are obviously Freddy fans, and they don't understand the dynamic between Freddy and Nancy. And what they did is they wrote this new Nancy like every other horror heroine since the early days, you know, the the early 80s, I should say. She needs her boyfriend to help her do everything. Exactly. She's the final girl. And she doesn't rise to the occasion. If they had spent even half the time on her character that they spent on Freddy, she would have been phenomenal. Instead, they focused all of their love and all of their passion for this story on Freddy. And I kind of wish that it translated to the makeup, because the makeup was bad, too. 
Yeah. The CGI part aside, I don't like CGI. There's no reason for it for Nightmare on Elm Street. The design completely, he's flat. And I understand they were trying to go for more realism, but he's completely flat. You get no emotion, anger or not from his face. You get it all from his voice or his stance, which Jackie Earl Haley did very well with. But there's nothing there. It's a computer. You don't see the reality of the situation because it's fake. The only bit that was CGI was just a little hole in his cheek. Didn't they do something with his eyes? No, he, he had contacts in. Just had okay, contacts well, then in. they just had shitty contacts. Yeah, we'll get into the makeup. <laughs> the makeup I, just... I, I, I don't disagree with you, though. <laughs> oh, my God. The makeup is just bad. And, you know, they're doing all these fancy CGI things that were done many years ago, practically, on set, for cheaper, and they looked better. And it's infuriating that CGI has taken the place of practical effects instead of augmenting it like in The Mist, which I think is the perfect marriage of CGI and practical effects. But no, they decided they wanted everything CGI because apparently it makes the movie better. Oh, this movie is infuriating to me. I think it does a disservice to the original. So that's definitely a no. Oh, no, no, no. Mm-mm. This is one of those ones I'm kind of on the midline because there are certain things about it that I really like, but there's also certain things that I absolutely hate. So I'm probably going to say I don't recommend it but mildly don't recommend it because there are things about it that are very good. And I like the cast. No, no, the cast, except for Rooney Mara. The cast of adults. I actually like Rooney Mara's performance. I just don't think she's given a character. I think she is. I think that she did not show up to play. No, I disagree. There's just no character on the... I I read the script to this film before... The script leaked before the film came out. And even then, I'm like, there's no Nancy (laughs) here. <laughs> There's no Nancy on the page. Yeah. And I fully agree. They completely missed the character of Nancy. I like that they kind of increased the character of Chris. And mm-hmm. I really like the character of Quentin. But they come at the expense of doing anything with Nancy. Mm-hmm. Not only did they not do the character right. There's no character at all. Mm-hmm. She's just there. And is just kind of drawn from scene to scene. I mean, you could literally pull Nancy out of this movie. And have yeah. it just be Chris mm-hmm. to Quentin. And it would be almost the exact same movie. Nancy mm-hmm. has no reason to be there. There's no presence. Exactly. On top of that, I really like Jack Earl Haley. I don't like the makeup. No. <laughs> I really like the backstory they created, but I don't like the fact that it's like he's just a pedophile. He's not a killer. I think the film is beautifully shot. I really like a lot of the editing. I like a lot of the way the scenes are constructed. But then these CGI effects come out of nowhere and are just horrible. It's not so much that they're CGI, but that they're bad CGI. This is really bad CGI. Oh, God, yeah. When he goes running through the fire, oh, my God, what the fuck is that? That one I didn't mind. That one, because there's a good focus on the face. But, like, the bit of him in the wall, there's their weird twist on the blood geyser. Katie Cassidy, she actually was just strung up on wires. I I thought she was CGI'd because it looked so terrible. No, the problem with her scene is that she's, like, killed instantly, and it's just her dead body flopping Mm -hmm. around instead of, like, drawing out that horror. But just to wrap up my comment is it's a film that it could have been a hell of a lot better than it is. The script is a pro. The script has some good ideas, some horrible ideas, and it's just kind of flat. It's very generic. It's a very generic horror movie script. Mm -hmm. And it's a film that could have been a lot better than it was. It had talented people in the right place and it had untalented people in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, I get, we've kind of moved into open discussion already. (laughs) I mean, let's start with Jackie Earl Haley. I love his kind of growling, seething. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the makeup on the face, I like the idea of the burn victim thing, but what they did with the eyes. It's so restrictive. Especially the way they kind of like brought in that brow kind of flattened over the eyes. Mm -hmm. It completely removes any form of expression. Yeah. It just doesn't look right. It doesn't look well done. I'm not saying that it wasn't a good application. I'm just saying the design left a lot to be desired. This is one of those ones where they should have worked with the actor to see what works best for him to get the best expression. They wanted the authenticity of what a burden victim looks like, but they sacrificed the ability to play the character. Yep, Mm -hmm. absolutely. The thing about Freddy is he doesn't look like a burn victim. He looks kind of like a combination of the old hag Mm -hmm. and a burn victim. Well, Mm -hmm. it's what you would imagine a burn victim to look like in your nightmares. And that's what I like is Freddy did have that old Wicked Witch of the West quality to him. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things that I like about the Freddy. A lot of people give crap because Jack Earl Haley is short. I don't care that he's short. He's still a good presence. Yeah, Mr. England's I, I, pretty short. Yeah. 
you know, he's not that much taller than I am, and I'm 5'4". Yeah, I know, but what's funny is that Katie Cassidy and Rooney Mara are both like 5'10", 5'11", so they're like half a head taller than Jack <laughs> Kekulay. But I don't care because, you know, someone could be short and still be fucking scary. Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah. yeah. And I even just love little things he does with the glove. Mm-hmm. The weird little ways he'll just like click the nails together. or Just even that great bit where he's just standing there tapping his fingers on the wall in that staccato rhythm. Mm-hmm. Jackie Earl Haley was absolutely the right person to get. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They just did not help him any with what they did with his face. Mm-hmm. Jackie Earl Haley, the character that he had played that he had gotten a Best Supporting Actor nomination for was... Um, Wasn't it Little Children? Yeah, it was in Little Children. Yeah. And the character that he played was also a child molester and it kind of went a completely different way. And I'm just like, he was sort of like a good get because I'm like, you kind of can oppose the two and what happens when you decide you're going to set someone on fire instead of, you know, calling the cops. This is why we don't set people on fire. We just call the police. <laughs> what I like is that he's not also just doing the Rorschach voice. It's mm-hmm. similar, but there is a nice difference to it. It's different enough. Yeah. And it's being played in a very different way. Mm-hmm. One of my problems is instead of really kind of going all out with like dream imagery, they really hold back. I mean, Freddy doesn't really do anything too elaborate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, yeah, that keeps the film from getting too over the top. But on the other, it's understated to a fault. In the original Nightmare, which I really hate that I have to say that, he really didn't play too much with dream imagery either. But in this one, it seems that the writers and the filmmakers were so enamored with some of the things that they did in other Elm Street films that they didn't copy it very well. Well, (laughs) They loved it so much they didn't do it right. (laughs) It's not that they'd had to copy it, though, so much. They were referencing stuff that came after it, so they were basically making a remake of all of the Nightmare films in one. That's where they sort of get lost because eventually you're making one movie. You don't have like seven hours to do all of them. What's weird is on the Blu-ray, there's a lot of behind the scenes footage for scenes that are not only not in the movie, but aren't even among the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. There's like Quentin had, instead of just being in the boiler room again, when he fell asleep near the end, he's in a church. Freddy's dressed as a monk. There's a whole crucifixion thing going on. Okay. There's tons of behind the scenes footage. You can't see that scene anywhere. I can guess why they took that out, because they probably figured it would be sacrilegious, but that don't really... Sacrilegious tastes so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they already explored religious iconography in part four, mm-hmm. and it's throughout because of the whole you know Anglo-Saxon Christian mythology mm-hmm. basis, but that would seem almost too much even for the remake. But why not just make it available? <laughs> I would just be curious just to see what that scene was like. Because yeah. all you get are all these behind-the-scenes stuff. And then there's also an additional bit where, was it Jesse, the Thomas Decker character? Yeah, I think yeah. it's Jesse. Where he's wearing basically a suit of Jesse's dad, and he has this whole zipper that he unzips from the top to bottom. And it's literally Jackie Girl Haley in, like, kind of this oversized other human suit. And it's, again, a weird behind-the-scenes footage of a scene that you can't see anywhere. I'm having, like, a Buffalo Bill flashback, and I just want to be like, dude, no, I would not fuck you. And it's just, <laughs> my thing is... There's the film The Cell. Mm -hmm. The Cell Mm -hmm. kind of raised the bar on dream imagery in a horror movie. And it's kind of disappointing that they didn't even try to take that on. Yeah. In like, this is your chance to do the ultimate new Freddy film for the new age. And instead Mm -hmm. of really even trying to do dream imagery, it's just the boiler room and he's stalking around corners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially because I think, did this come before Inception or after? This is before. Yeah. But I do have the whole thing of Inception and that you can do really fucked up things in your dream where you can do all this crazy shit. And it's like they never thought to do any of that in this movie. I mean, we've all had dreams that are like, the fuck was that? And you could fly and there was like crazy shit going on. And I have those dreams. And then none of that was in here. And I'm like, that's supposed to be a dream. Or There's a reason why my two favorite Elm Street films are The Cell and Dreamscape. <laughs> <laughs> It's because the Freddy films are like the ultimate nightmare films, but then there's these other films that kind of do it better. I always want to see Elm Street kind of rise to that challenge. And I don't know, it just, it disappoints me that I'm pretty sure that what they tried to do with those two scenes I mentioned didn't work, so that's why they didn't Mm -hmm. use them. But I'd still like to see something that's more along that line. Because as I said, the Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Rennie Harlan one, which gets really out there and wild and trippy with the dream imagery, is one of my favorites just because it has that visualization and that energy. 
And when you get in someone like Samuel Bayer, who does these really visual you know, music videos, some of which have done very wild dream imagery, it's kind of disappointing that it's then kind of restrained. Yeah. I mean, I did like some bits. Like, I love the bit where Chris falls asleep and suddenly the entire classroom explodes into ash. Yeah, that, that looked cool. I mean, and I love the great micro nap she's having in the drugstore where he suddenly appears in the background as the entire aisle full of pills slowly becomes the boiler room. I like yeah. moments like that. but I like that less. But I want to see this film do more and it, it doesn't even feel like it's trying. It's not. This movie was literally an exercise and we're not even trying. Was this coming sort of at the tail end or the midpoint of the whole Platinum Dunes is going to make a whole bunch of remakes of movies? This was kind of the last of the Platinum Dunes. Yeah. Yeah. This did make money, but they're never going to make a sequel to it. Well, I think Platinum Dunes just kind of petered out on the remakes, too. I mean, they're doing Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Oh, they did The Purge? Oh, God, Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain was such a shit fest. Well, yeah, but I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street was the end of them. I mean, like they had The Hitcher, they had Amityville, they had Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they had Friday the 13th. But yeah, it's just... They had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre requel. Yeah. They didn't do the 3D one, though. That was someone else. The Platinum Dune films, they just, they really feel like people who just don't entirely care all that much. Yeah. Most of the Platinum Dune remakes are literally Michael Bay letting his music video friends have their first directorial debut as a film. They get a lot of crap because of their association with Michael Bay. Michael Bay didn't really have much to do with them, aside from handpicking who he wanted to direct it. Mm -hmm. They were mostly Bradley Fuller, who developed them from the ground up. And they just, they aren't that good. So, yeah. All of the Platinum Doom films are beautifully shot. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. (laughs) Some of them are shot kind of, well, uh. I, I've Texas seen Chainsaw Massacre is very well remake. shot. That's not even that well shot. That's got nothing going for Defri- it. Yeah. Hitcher was decently shot. It's a horrible yeah, it movie. Okay. It did make me feel like I was in the desert and I was never going to leave. <laughs> Ever. I mean, my other main problem is just this script. It really, it has a few decent ideas. Like, I really like micronaps, despite the fact that they're called micronaps. Mm-hmm. I really like the use of them. I really like the idea behind them. But what I don't like is that Freddy never actually kills anyone through a micronap. Mm-hmm. By the time the characters are having micronaps, it's just the chase to get to the school. And he's literally just fucking with them. Yeah. Technically, the only person that dies is that guy who is doing the vlogs, which I'm just like, who are you? Well, he actually fully fell asleep. Yeah. Great auto post setting on that one. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and then I guess no one found it after the fact and was like, hey, you should want no one. Nope. There's so much that I have that are problems with this movie, but specifically, like, the fact that all these kids repress these memories. Yeah, the whole mass amnesia. Yeah, I'm like, that doesn't work. I'm like, look, I would have given the movie its fucking mulligan if they were, like, just dosing the kids with something to make them forget. I'm like, it's stupid, but it makes sense. In the script, they literally had a hypnotist. Yeah, I don't like hypnotists. I just dope them with something. Wow. What I hate, too, is that with the original where they had the implication that they were all having the same dream, here everyone's just like, let's just talk about how we're all having the same dream. Let's not have any foreshadowing. Foreshadowing's for stupid people. I think it would be a stronger film if these were people who remembered their abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Especially thematically in terms of the victimization, Mm -hmm. but also that, you know, this is something that has haunted them for their entire lives. You could do that to different degrees. There are some people who have been able to move on past it. There are some people who are still traumatized by it. It would have been nice to have that kind of range of exploring abuse victims. What I hate to you is, sorry, but it pisses me off when they go, who remembers when they were five? And I'm like, fuck you, movie. I remember when I was five. I remember very specific traumatic events that occurred when I was five years old. And just to play it off, like, who remembers when they were five? A lot of people remember when they were five. Mm-hmm. Really angry. Can you tell? <laughs> It's one of those films that it has the idea, but it doesn't go for it. It just holds back. The entire film holds back. Well, especially the whole, maybe he didn't do it. And I'm just like, well, then do that. That would have actually been a really bold thread for this film to explore. The idea that Freddy was an innocent victim. Because that has happened, that you have had people who were accused of these things, and it's come out later that, in fact, no, they didn't do any of this. It was like the way that the questioning was posed to the children, assumptions were made, things that basically could not have happened where a person wasn't, where the kids said they were. Like, like, this has happened where people were wrongly accused by children. And because of the way people reacted. But the thing is here, too, specifically, the parents don't even go to the cops. They just decide they're going to burn them. I thought they did drop a line about the warrants again. 
something was improperly signed. See, I don't yeah. even remember that. All I know is that that may have been dropped, but it was also, do you want our kids to get up on the stand and have to say what happened to them? Yeah, that's true. So it's yeah. like it kind of negates even if there was warrants. I would have rather that they just gone for it and made it that, yes, he was wrongfully accused because then you do have that kind of playing out as he's taking revenge on their kids. It is these parents' fault because they killed him and now he's coming after their kids and they can't save their children. I mean, but here's the problem, though. The only way the he actually turns out to be innocent thing would work is if the kids had no memory of what happened mm -hmm. afterwards. Like if they and the only reason the amnesia thing is there is to justify the whole mystery of did he do it or did he not? Because mm -hmm. it's only at the very end that they finally remember everything. I would rather sacrifice that if it means losing the amnesia than putting the amnesia there to explore that. See, I would have just rather that they had it as the kids just didn't remember because, like, if as a kid, if you tell a story that isn't true and you don't quite understand the story that you are telling, you might then move on and forget that you did that. I mean, but the thing is, if it's not Freddy, it has to be someone. Mm -hmm. Who was the person who did this? Well, it could be also this didn't happen to them. It's entirely possible that nothing happened to them and just the parents leading questions. See, but then I think that makes the entire theme kind of hollow. Well, this entire movie's hollow. I would have rather that he at least be innocent so that I could have someone who is all vengeful because he was pissed. See, and I think this is a problem is that it has ideas that are contradictory to one another. Mm -hmm. You have to pick one or pick another. And it just by trying to kind of touch on both, they don't really ultimately do anything. Yeah. Or what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, I've been, like, raging, so... <laughs> I think this film shows a lot of problems with fans writing remakes. Not that fans can't write good fan fiction or what have you, and I, this is actually true of a lot of writers. When you love something so much, you have a certain memory of it, and it may not be how the original writer intended it, and it's not how other fans view it, it's your own personal interpretation. So what they did is they made the whole thing about Freddy, and they did improve the Tina surrogate, the Chris character. Mm -hmm. I think that she was great. I wish she had been the lead. Yeah, she was phenomenal. They did what they're used to in other horror films, and they weren't thinking about all of the things that led to the creation of the original Nightmare. Instead of focusing on the things that set Nightmare on Elm Street apart, yeah. they focused on the things that made it generic. Exactly. And they displayed a true love for the Freddy Krueger character and a true desire to make him scary again that fell apart in the actual production of the film. Yeah. And I think it's genuinely just if Nancy had been better, all of the other flaws mm -hmm. would be passable. Absolutely. If they had made her or if she had taken it upon herself to realize the legacy of that character and tried to fix it, it would be a different beast altogether. You could almost just get rid of Quentin. Yeah. Which I hate to or say because I actually really like Quentin. Actually, I'd go the opposite way and I'd just get rid of Nancy and just make it Quentin's story because he does get the big reveal of what happened to Freddy. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, just make it his story because he has all the info. I think that's the big problem is they wanted to have two people go into the climax instead of one. Mm-hmm. Just so they would have people to bounce exposition off of? Yeah. Well, plus they needed the big strong man to save the poor weak girl. Well, and part yeah. of that is also because they have that idea of the mystery. Is he innocent or is he not? So it's in order to keep that mystery going, you need someone to bounce exposition off of. Not going to lie to you, worst mystery ever. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that we told a lie. It was that we told the truth. It's like, <laughs> yep, no, I figured that out. I like the idea of the mystery just because it's an interesting take on Freddy. Yeah. But it's something that really, it hurts the movie by being there. It hurts the entire movie by being there and it creates problems with, you know, it brings in the amnesia, it brings in the requirement to have Quentin there. Mm. It doesn't help the movie at all. It, it literally hinders the movie in significant ways. You know what would have been a better movie is if the boyfriend, what's the Thomas Decker character, if he got killed off instead of Chris and then it was Chris going through and playing the net. I, I honestly, I just like Katie Cassidy. I didn't like her when I saw this movie first because she had only been on Supernatural and they gave her nothing to do there. Mm -hmm. But then I saw Harper's Island and she was awesome in that. So I'm like, I actually wanted her to keep going. And I'm like, she should have been the main character because we're with her for the first half hour. I was looking at the clock and I'm like, it's almost to the second, almost a half hour when she's killed off. What if it was Tina and, yeah, I mean, what if it was Chris and Nancy? Who had yeah. to work together in the second half of the movie. Anything, really, just because I've been with her for half an hour and you kill her off. And I'm just like, 
this isn't like Psycho when you killed Janet Lee off because we, we still had something to do. Whereas here, the character that I cared about is dead. And I'm just like, there's no story left. I don't care about the rest of these people. Can they yeah. die now? My other problem, though, is through Quentin, they don't have an equal amount of contribution to the things. Mm-hmm. It's Quentin does everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quentin does the bulk of the research. Quentin is the one who has the vision about, which I actually really like that flashback where Quentin is pulled down to the pool and he suddenly witnesses the death of Freddy. I like that flashback. I like that, but it makes no sense why it happens, but it works. What I like about Freddy here is that he systematically wants people to know who he is and how he got to be the way he is. I like that. I like that instead of just being this mystery thing, he wants people to know why he's making them suffer. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you did this to me. But anyways, back to my point is Quentin is the one who has the pills. Quentin is the one who gets the adrenaline. Quentin is the one who Nancy can't find the picture of everyone at the school unless she has Quentin there with her. Mm -hmm. Nothing Nancy does is done without Quentin's assistance. Yeah. The only thing she goes through and she Googles all those people's names. It was Google. Well, there's that and she watches the web video. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, she does nothing. No, but during the uh, funeral... The Twilight Kid. Yeah. When he dies, they have the funeral. She's the one who comes in with some foreshadowing, like really ham-fisted yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah. You don't know what I've seen. And then through the rest no. of the film, it was like, you haven't seen anything, lady. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was, again, there were a lot of reshoots on this film and some parts of the script were different. And they reshot the entire opening sequence. Yeah. Wasn't it originally supposed to take place at a party or something? Yeah, it was that kid's party. It was a big party. You got to see all the kids together, see how they interacted with each other in a much natural way than the diner sequence. Yeah. yeah. And it ended at, as this party's going on with him dying in the middle of it with mm-hmm. the bloody gashes in his chest. Again, they have all this behind the scenes footage of that scene on the Blu-ray, but you don't get to see the scene itself. <laughs> yeah. The Blu-ray is confusing. I actually think it's his death. The, uh, the, the Twilight, his name is Twilight Kid. Screw it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not learning his character's name. That's the thing is I'm like, you notice how we don't know these kids' names except for Chris because I'm just like, well, Nancy, because, you know, her name is Nancy, but Chris, and then I'm like, then there's the guy. And then and there's, there's John Twilight Connor. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't really make an impression. Twilight Kid, when he slices his neck open, I'm like, I don't think it slices like butter. You got to, the sawing, there, there's stuff in there yeah. that you got to. He just saw through it like butter. I was just like, there's a little bit more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, I don't that's think what a diner is going to have a knife that's that sharp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those steak so, knives are usually have limitations. Yeah. I'm like, it's a steak knife, but it can't cut through bone. <laughs> it's a Ginsu knife. There's also this thing of, as written, there was supposed to be this kind of gradual reveal of Freddy. Mm-hmm. And someone eventually just said, fuck it, let's just show him up front. Yeah. Which is fine because we all know what Freddy looks like. By this point in time, the trailers will have shown us. But the thing is, we don't really know what this Freddy looks like. I mean, I know they showed him in the trailer, but people kind of had to freeze frame that moment and lighten it and everything to kind of see what he looked like. And even what you get in trailers isn't always the final product because sometimes they still do touch up. Well, and that's the thing. And Freddy works his best when you're not looking at that makeup. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I miss from the originals. In the original, there was a lead up to when you saw him. He was kind of in shadow. and But here it's like, yep. In that opening sequence in the party, you never see Freddy. The one guy says Freddy's back. The gashes rip onto his chest. He falls out a window into the middle of the party. And then with Chris, you get that one moment where she briefly sees him in the attic. He didn't jump on her. That was that was added. And then, yeah, you get this gradual reveal. And then it's that one point in the classroom where mm-hmm. he turns around and then you see him. I have a question for you guys. What? When Twilight Kid is in the kitchen and there's all that like pigs and stuff boiling on the stove. What the fuck was that about? Or is that just like weird shit for the sake of weird shit? I think it's a little bit of like how Freddy in the originals viewed the children as little piggies. That could be a throwback to that. Or it's just a bunch of random crap production design decided to put in. Yeah, Yeah, and that was a last minute reshoot scene. And I I don't want to sound like I'm saying that the script was better than the final film with all the mentions I'm making of the script. In a few small ways it was, but it isn't that different. Mm -hmm. Right. The climax of the film, especially... I mean, there's like an alternate ending on the Blu-ray, but it's, it's literally the exact same scene. It's just when Freddy's pulled in the real world, he doesn't have the burn makeup anymore. He's just full on Jackie Earl Haley. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. And they don't have the bit where they slash his throat. They literally set fire on him while he's still alive. <laughs> Setting okay. the whole thing back in motion again. Yeah. I've never been a fan of pulling Freddy into the real world, but I understand it's a part of the franchise. Mm-hmm. I honestly think this would have been a much scarier movie if 
this is my pitch for what they should have done with the ending, is have it be that Quentin literally bleeds out and dies right before he can give her the adrenaline shot. So mm-hmm. she's locked in the coma. I love the idea that Freddy just wanted to fuck with her until he could get her locked in a permanent sleep. Because mm-hmm. that's fucking scary. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then she's trapped in a coma, and within the coma, she finds out how to fight him because he literally tells her, I was able to come back because you remembered me, because you feared me. So have it be, go back to the original ending of she takes the fear away. She takes the power away. Yeah. I hate that they lost that because I was just like, yeah. they, they don't have that. In I mean, here. And then you can have that bittersweet ending of at the end of the movie, she's still locked in a coma, but she's been able to take power over mm-hmm. her own subconscious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't do that because they need a sequel. Well, you could actually have that be a sequel if you do a variation on the Dream Warriors by having her taken to a coma clinic. She's in the coma ward. Yeah, they could, but you know. And have it be that Freddy's always going to be a part of her. He's always going to be locked in her mind, mm-hmm. but she can take charge and control her memories. She could take the fear away from it. Mm-hmm. There's so much, many things they could have done, but no, it's just, we got to pull them out, hit them with a blade, you know, just, oh my, I, I don't like it. Yeah. I love the final shot of him with the mirror, but it's just a bullshit shock. At that point, it's like, the fuck is this? It's a shock for the sake of a shock. When I was watching this in theaters, I was like, what the fuck was that shit? Like that ending? I was like, and then what? That was actually a very nice combination of CGI and makeup effects, but it was still just, there's no reason for it to be. When the blades go through the eyes, that was a bit shitty. Yeah. I wanted more visuals like that throughout the movie, but there was no reason to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you guys know that Nancy's mom is supposed to be a doctor? Because I did what? not. On IMDb, it's Dr. Gwen Holbrook. I was like, she's a doctor? There was no indications given of this. In the script, she was a child psychiatrist. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, the yeah, one yeah was, they yeah. dropped the reference to it. She was the one who hypnotized him. Which hypnosis doesn't work like that. Just, I know. <laughs> I'm like, just give them a pill. I will let you have that movie. Just give them a pill. I love that she kept the folder that has the photograph in it. Yeah. yeah. In her house, in her drawer, in the living room. Where she can think about it all the time. Yeah. Because it's right that, there. At least with Chris, when she goes upstairs and her rape dress is up there, she's in a dream. So you can imagine that she's thinking she has her rape dress up there. Because we never actually see her go up there when she's not asleep. That's right. Because she wakes up from that scene. And then, yeah. yeah. See, and this is something, if you're going to do the amnesia, I want to see them do something with the awakening of these memories. Mm-hmm. That they're being hit with the, I mean, we never see anyone actually remember anything. It's just they find this evidence that this happened and Freddy's there, but they don't actually have any re-experiencing of these memories. Well, there's really no trigger for why the memories happen, which there wasn't in the other movie either, but... Maybe there was, but the movie was so good that you didn't need a trigger here. In the original franchise, he had never done anything to these kids before. Yeah. He was just killing kids in the neighborhood. Yeah. Right. Whereas here, it's like you need something to trigger those memories of him because you're saying it did happen to these kids. So you need something that is a trigger. And we don't really get that in the movie either. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's a film that had so much potential. And yeah. Bernie Mara, she's not Nancy. There is a character that was written. It's not Nancy, and I will give you guys that it's not Nancy, but there was a character written that was never going to be Nancy, but it was still a good-ish, I-need-my-boyfriend-to-save-me-at-the-end character. In the script, she is actually someone who is still experiencing the trauma of the child abuse. Even though she doesn't remember it, she still has this aversion to being touched. She's pouring out a lot of her artwork is channeling the memories of Freddy, even though she doesn't associate them. Yeah, I saw that artwork. I know, but, even though, but it gets into the more of the fact that she's kind of become disassociative because she doesn't have that link. She knows that something was wrong. She's pouring out this trauma that she had, but that link between what actually happened and what how she's responding to it has been removed, and that's further traumatizing her. I like that idea, but they never really did anything with it in the script. It's just in the setup. The script largely then plays out the second half of the movie exactly the same. Yeah, but as an actor, she could have still put in little ticks or something like that, which she chose not to because she didn't want to be there. Yeah. Which is my problem. She didn't have to take that part. There are people who probably would have happily taken that because, damn it, they would have liked the exposure. Yeah. And that's why she did it. The money and the exposure. She said that she knew she didn't want it, but she knew that if she took it, this is a movie that is going into theaters. And you don't really get that too often anymore. Yeah, because she was still largely doing TV work or she was just like a supporting role. 
This is right before she caught Fincher's eye. Yeah, yeah. because right after it was right after she got cast in this, she did social, social network. network. Yeah, which was a tiny part that everyone noticed. Yeah. I don't have a problem with any of the cast in this movie. It's all a level of what's done with them. What material are they given to do anything with? She's so bland and lifeless in it. But yeah. look at what she's having to act. There's nothing there for her to do anything with. She could have, I don't know. She could have, okay, we've, we've been through this before. I've seen actors in, like, nothing parts make amazing roles out of it. In, like, horrible movies. And they are so amazing in them. To clarify, I'm not saying she's great. I'm just saying I don't see her as being like Kristen Stewart in Twilight. Until that quote came out that she basically took it because for the exposure because she didn't want it. And until she actually hooked up with Fincher, I was convinced she could not act. Again, I just don't see it. I don't see the problem. And I, I think a lot of the problem is just it's such a badly written character. But for me, at least, that is the heart of the problem. Really, I would have rather have just followed Chris because Katie Cassidy was a far more interesting actor. She cared, basically. That and they actually spent time with the character in in the writing phase. Yeah. Yeah. Because we didn't spend time with any other character except Freddie. Yeah. Well, Quentin, I do still argue that Quentin is more developed than he probably needed to be. Yeah, that's true. Not very, mind you. Like, he he is still sort of a caricature of a guy. But I think he's actually a good example of the actor did more with the character than what was given him. Mm. Yeah. He really brought that to life. So I will say he is an example of what you're saying, Evie. If he really did make that a character Mm -hmm. more than he was given. Well, because we're calling him Quentin, so that's got to be something. (laughs) Yeah. Because he's not Twilight Kid. Camelot, well, I mean, Camelot's he was just meant to be in one scene. He, he's just there to die, which... I don't think he did anything particularly bad. He's just, he's, he's just, he is He was pilot. cannon fodder, basically. Again, he I is. would love to see that original opening scene. Thank you, Blu-ray. And if you got, like, the big six-foot-five bodybuilder from Twilight, can't he be <laughs> the one who has Clancy Brown as a dad? Right? Yeah, right. Also, couldn't he be the one who would be able to take on Freddy? Just saying. Yeah, I want Freddy versus the Kurgan. <laughs> I will say that Connie Britton as Nancy's mom is amazing because she's Connie Britton and I love her. Yeah, I think she's great. playing basically the same character she played on American Horror Story to a much better end because she actually had something to do there. She was just, I love her. I just, I love Connie Britton. Love I her. love the adult cast of this film. God, the yes. Kids, I'm not that keen on. I like the parents, but they didn't really do much with them. Yeah. yeah. But I love them anyway. There's little moments of them getting in the way, but nowhere near to the degree that they were in the first movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, I like the score. Yeah, score's good. (laughs) But you know that a movie is really bad when you notice how good the score is. When the first thing you do is you compliment the score. It's like, the score was really good. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta say, though, you know, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street film, I think this is the first time I ever watched the entire credits because I had never heard that song Nightmare before, Mm -hmm. which is just this hilarious power rock ballad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a nightmare. I'm in a nightmare. (laughs) I still like that song. That's a weird... It's great. I I love it. It's glorious. This movie needed that. Yeah. I think it's funny, too, the the ending where they smash cut to black after she's been, like, yanked through the mirror with the terrible effect of the finger knives. (laughs) And then it just goes to Mr. Sandman or something like that. Or his dream, a little dream of me, which how many horror movies have ended with that song? Also, and this was kind of a sticking point for me if they made it that he was molesting these kids. You don't molest with finger knives. Dear Fred Krueger, you don't molest with finger no, knives. He wasn't just molesting them. There was also this sadomasochism torture that he was doing, too. Yeah. What there should have been is he should have killed a kid. And that's what led to the entire investigation that uncovered everything. I know, right? Also, why is he living in the basement of the school? <laughs> what? Well, he's the caretaker. But it's a priest. He's groundskeeper Willie. Literally. He even has the red hair. He's groundskeeper Willie. He's not even Fred Krueger. I <laughs> <laughs> just told him to stay out of his shack. And some of the flashback bits of him playing with the kids are just kind of, you're trying to make him too likable and Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Which, if they did that, they needed to also show him as the horrible person that he became, that the kids said that he was, the, what he did to them. Yeah. You didn't need to go graphically. All we got was just like the momentary implications of, would you like to come and see my room? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's such a threat to the burn Freddy that we needed that moment of threat from the human Freddy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
Also, that hidden room was like the easiest fucking thing to get into. How did they not find it? Like, were they not trying? I don't yeah. think they were trying. How was there that much air flying through it? Yeah. How do you miss that? These are sleep-deprived kids. Like, almost near coma, they found it. Mm. You were terrible parents. So, anything else we want to bring up? No. I wish that, you know what? I should have rewatched that Halloween episode where groundskeeper Willie is Freddy Krueger. It was a good episode. Wasn't he using a rake? Yeah, he was. He raked someone to death. Yeah, ultimately, this is not one of the good remakes. No. 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 And it had potential. I'm still not against the idea of rebooting the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but it needed but to be done do much better than this. Yeah. yeah. There's so many problems with it. It's not well done. Just on a technical standpoint, the CG wasn't very well done. The makeup effects weren't very well done. And the first things that any of us really praised were the score and the cinematography. But, you know, you can have the prettiest movie in the world, but if you have no story, there's nothing there. Like Dario Argento. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like that with the first one, we were having like this whole conversation of what the director meant and what the interpretations were just like, the score is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, we're not even having a discussion about anything there because yeah. there was nothing there. Yeah. It's really right. disappointing because it was a movie that had so much potential mm-hmm. and they didn't rise to the occasion at all. They were just like horror movie. Woo! Yeah, let's make some money the fans. Yeah, this is on the tail end of our Wes Craven retrospective series where, you know, Last House on the Left and Hills Have Eyes showed how you can do remakes that either live up to the original or even kind of surpass the original. And I think the fact that Wes Craven was involved in both is a large part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this one, he said they wouldn't even meet with him. Yeah, yeah. which is and, kind of insulting. Yeah, and Samuel Bayer is on record as stating that, you know, he thinks that this film blows the original away. Well, he's right about the blows part. It's the <laughs> rest of it that's inaccurate. You know, and Bayer yeah. is someone who I would be interested to see Bayer do a film that's really his film instead of just he's kind of a director for hire on a studio piece. Right. He intrigues me enough with some of the things he does that I would be curious to see another film from him. But there's no passion in this film. Yeah. This isn't even a film that was done by fans. This was done by people who were just kind of handed a property. Yeah. Well, I really do think it was written by fans. At least one portion of the script that was produced had to have been written by friends. Well, I know Eric Hesarier is. Yeah. Okay. But Wesley Strick was the writer who came in after him. And Wesley Strick is just a for higher script doctor. Okay. Because the amount of detail paid to Freddy, it's on the level of fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Well, but it's also on the level of just a reflection of Freddy just in pop culture. But the problem is, instead of like capturing Freddy, they just made him a typical horror boogeyman. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't even really Freddy Krueger. This is just Freddy Krueger in name only. I mean, the way he acts, his face, there's very little to actually do with the traditional Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like this character, I like this boogeyman, but he's not Freddy Krueger. Yeah. I mean, he does good things with the glove, he does nice things with the costume. It's a great Jackie Earl Haley part, but it's not Freddy Krueger. Yeah. He is playing the boogeyman. I mean, even just the fact that they wanted to set up a mystery as to whether or not he's innocent is a complete defiance of what Freddy Krueger is. Freddy Krueger, love him or hate him, I love the Dream Trilogy just for setting up the idea of he's the bastard son of 100 Maniacs. This is a character who was rotten to the core from the very start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's someone who's so malevolent that you just can't get rid of his malevolence. And they made him just a typical child molester who comes back Didn't and even kill a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I like your idea where he killed a kid and that's where everything came out. Just make it that. Yeah. The one sequence that I love, that I absolutely love in this scene, is the moment where he's like, you know, it takes seven minutes for the brain to shut down after the heart stops beating, which means you and I have six minutes left to play. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great line, except that I'm like, well, yeah, but that, but at that point, I'd already. No, but that's a great moment that I wish had been in the Mm -hmm. Freddy franchise till now. That is a great Nightmare on Elm Street moment. Mm-hmm. I wish the rest of the film had lived up to it. It was a great moment. It's just that in this movie, I'm sitting there going, okay, but that actually depends on blood flows. My friend's in medical school and I know this. No, but I just like that idea. I mean, and also, you know, you could get into the argument that when people dream, time doesn't pass at the same rate. Mm-hmm. Right. People can go through a long dream in a matter of a few minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he could be messing with that kid for hours. Yeah. Which, again, if this had been a better movie, I would have been all interested in all of that. Ultimately, this film just makes me want to watch The Cell again. (laughs) The one thing that I have to kind of address that really just pissed me right the fuck off 
Aaron Yu is in this movie, but he is barely in this movie. See the kid on the webcam? Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Asians are underrepresented in Hollywood already. Why didn't you make a major character? Stupid. He just shows up for like, he filmed three clips in front of a shitty camera. It pisses me off. No, I agree that you just have like a one scene disposable character. Have him be like the only person of color in the movie. Yeah. I'm going to go rewatch Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. He was good in that. So it's not a good remake. No. So any final thoughts on Night Rhino Street? Uh, avoid. Not going to think about it anymore. <laughs> I want to find every single copy of the Blu-ray, the DVD, the negatives, everything. Just put it all in a rocket launch into the sun. That is my final thought. Lori, any final thoughts? Watch it if you want to learn what not to do. And that's my thing is, I don't hate this movie because I do see things in it that I like. But it's just so disappointing. Mm-hmm. Because it it's so... It's just so fucking bland. Which is so much worse. It's so uninventive. I think that's why I'm even more pissed off is that I'm just like, this is just bullshit. Like, this would have been great, but you didn't even try. They had a good ball. They dropped it. Yeah. As opposed to just being shit from the start. Yeah. They had a good ball and then they just put that ball down and we're just like, okay, let's get this thing that kind of looks like it, but it's actually literally made of shit, piss, and dirt clods. With the occasional good idea thrown in. Hang on, I'm trying to process that metaphor. (laughs) It's a horrible metaphor. You can cut that out. (laughs) So yeah, I would say our Wes Craven series, Last House on Left Hills Have Eyes, Nightmare on Elm Street, I would say the remakes have a very steady decline through all three of those. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do we even have to do the final question here? Like, Yeah, you know, typically we do the final question, which one do you pick? I think we all know we're going to pick the original. Yeah. I pick Elm Street 2. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't blame you that one i like for what it is oh elm street too i love you because you you're just so odd <laughs> give me the original elm street give me west craven's new nightmare give me dream warriors in that order and at least the blu-ray for the original all the behind the scenes footage is for scenes i actually get to watch yeah mm-hmm. exactly isn't that great when they actually like show you all the shots oh i gotta say the blu-ray is just filled with tons of great stuff for the original yeah i love the blu-ray so that brings our nightmare on elm street episode to a close thank you for suffering through part two with us laurie <laughs> well thank you for inviting me along i had to get my venom out about that film at some point <laughs> it's one we've been sitting on for a while because we knew there was going to yeah. be a lot of venom to spew. Yeah. Uh, and on the bright side, no one flipped a table. That's true. Bright side. <laughs> that would have hurt my computer. Time for cookies. <laughs> yes. All right. Good night, Evie. Good night. To read show notes for this and every one of our episodes, please visit IHateLoveRemakes.blogspot.com. The comment sections are open, so let us know what you think about the films discussed. I Hate Love Remakes is in no way affiliated with the copyright holders of the films discussed. All rights are reserved and no infringement is intended. I Hate Love Remakes is a Made of Fail production. Madeoffail.net. We were unpopular before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs>